We have one announcement, uh, and that's in two weeks, uh, we have this brand new ser- sermon series starting called Mixtape, and it's going to the very end of the summer. And when I heard about this uh, and saw these posters around church, I started to think, like, that's something that, that I used to do, like, make mixtapes a lot in college, right? You know, like, this song means so much. It's going on my mixtape, you know? And uh, so uh, I went through my CDs, and uh, lo and behold, I have this whole section of old mixtapes. And so I found, this, I found this CD I made about 16 years ago, 15, 16 years ago, um, and I made it for my wife when we were dating, all right? And it says, to Jamie, that's my wife's name now, from Joshua, and this, you get ready for the cheese, you're just going to cut it right here. Uh, you're my brown-eyed girl. You know that song, you my brown-eyed girl, you know Oh my gosh, so cheesy, so great, so awesome. Uh, I do remember, though, because those were meaningful times in my life, uh, is that I remember um, picking out the songs and making sure that they were, just really had a lot of meaning, either for our relationship or something that I found meaningful that I wanted to share with her. And I was like, I want to share this with you. I want to send this mixtape to you. I want to, this song to be just as meaningful for you, too. And so uh, that's what we have with this sermon series coming up. We've found some sections of scriptures or stories in the Bible that say, hey, this, these are really meaningful things for us as a church body. These are things that that matter to us um, as Woodland Hills um, people. And so uh, don't miss that sermon series. It goes all the way to the very end of the summer. But let's just not say that end of the summer thing just yet, all right? So, all right, no, exactly, yeah. Uh, The last thing I want to tell you about is make sure that you look at your bulletin. Uh, I know the ministry that I'm involved with always puts tons of stuff in there. Um, All the other ministries here do that and just has a lot of information about dates and times and places and ways to get connected. And please, please, please do get connected here at Woodland Hills Church. Well, I have this amazing privilege to welcome up our speaker today, Brianna. Please help me welcome up Brianna. Thanks, Josh. Good morning, friends. How are you today? Oh, lovely. Uh, I kind of want to say forget mixed CDs. Like, what about cassettes? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> exactly, right? I loved making mix tapes. Um, I remember Casey Kasem, Top 40, right? You'd just wait with your, like, little boom box to hit that record button. If you were a few seconds late, it's like, oh, the whole cassette is ruined. Anyways, uh, again, I forget. Did I just say my name? I don't know. You guys know me. Um, <laughs> it really is a pleasure to be with you this morning. I love worshiping with you all. I genuinely love worshiping with you. I am ushered in to experience and receive the fullness of Christ when I'm worshiping with my brothers and sisters. And, and thank you too for this opportunity to, to be here and to share with you and to walk with you and to becoming more and more like Christ. Before we dive in, I'd like to pray for us in our time together. So let's pray. Father, Spirit, Son, Thank you that through your blood and through your resurrection, we are free and we are free indeed. Thank you for the promises of your forgiveness. Thank you for the promises of new life. Thank you that the stone could not hold you, that your love was so powerful that you rose again. We ask that your spirit would come, that you would draw us in and closer to you to hear your word and your message of liberation for us this morning. Speak to us, Lord. We humble ourselves before you, and we thank you for who you are. In Christ's name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. A few years ago, uh, New York Times photographer Peter Hugo took a trip to southern Rwanda. And he took this trip because he wanted to photograph this national-wide movement that was taking place in Rwanda, a movement toward reconciliation from the aftermath of the Rwandan genocide. Now, the people who agreed to be photographed by Peter Hugo are part of this continuing national effort of reconciliation. And this morning, I would like to share their story. On the left, we have Francois. He was, as the New York Times explains, the perpetrator in this story. And on the right, we have Epiphany, the survivor. And their story reads as this. Because of the genocide perpetrated in 1994, I participated in the killing of the son of this woman. We are now members of the same group of unity and reconciliation. We share in everything. If she needs some water to drink, I fetch some for her. There is no suspicion between us, whether under sunlight or during the night. I used to have nightmares recalling the sad events that I've been through, but now I can sleep peacefully. And when we are together, we are like brother and sister. There is no suspicion between us. And of the event, Epiphany says this. He killed my child. Then he came to ask me pardon. I immediately granted it to him because he did not do it by himself. He was haunted by the devil. I was pleased by the way he testified to the crime instead of keeping it in hiding because it hurts. It hurts if someone keeps hiding a crime they committed against you. Before, when I had not yet granted him pardon, he could not come close to me. I treated him like my enemy. But now, I would rather treat him like my own child. Amen. Amen. This is the power of the cross. This is the power of the resurrection. I want to ask you, as we continue in our time together, for you to recall one experience when you had to ask for forgiveness, or recall an experience when maybe somebody approached you and asked for your forgiveness. What was that like? Can you recall an experience when maybe you received the sweet taste of freedom that comes from forgiveness? What was that like? Or maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, I know what I've done. I have this particular thing. But there's no way I can be forgiven of it. Is that what you're thinking? Perhaps the cloak of shame is keeping you from tasting the beauty of forgiveness. Whatever it is, I want you to recall that. Because I believe this is something we share in common as human beings. 
is forgiveness. We sit here as forgiven beings because of the blood of Christ. So in that sense, we are all connected and we have all experienced forgiveness. But I think we also experience um, the difficulty of forgiveness with the reality that (laughs) we're humans and we mess up. And asking for forgiveness can be a hard thing. It can be a bruise to our pride, can't it? It can be hard to get over ourselves. Keep that experience in the forefront of your mind as we move forward. We know that to Jesus... Forgiveness is remarkably important, isn't it? I mean, from the very beginning of God's story with God's people, we have this beautiful testimony of God's forgiveness. From Genesis to Revelation, and so we sing this morning, there is freedom in Christ. Christ so loved the world that he died, that he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. I will shed my blood and I will rise again because I forgive them and I love them that much. Jesus has a lot to say about forgiveness. It means a lot to him. This morning, as we continue our Twisted Scripture series, we're going to be looking at some of the words of Jesus and what Jesus has to say about forgiveness. Our particular passage that we're going to be studying together comes from the book of Matthew, primarily with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And the text reads as this. Let's look at it together. Matthew six fourteen through 15. But if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So this passage is saying, if we forgive others, then Jesus will forgive us. But if we withhold forgiveness, then the Father will withhold forgiveness from us. Seems a little twisted because I'm not sure the tradition that you grew up in, but I grew up in a tradition of faith that said that our sins are forgiven once and for all, that we are unconditionally forgiven no matter what, that we don't even need to come to Jesus and say, I'm sorry. There is always forgiveness. So the question can often be asked, why do we even need to ask for forgiveness if it was given to us anyway? But then we come to a passage like this that challenges us, that makes us maybe scratch our heads and say, What is Jesus saying about forgiveness? Now to um, maybe untwist this passage a little bit more, what we need to do is see where it exists in the story. Because it does not exist by itself. It is enveloped by Jesus' prayer. The Lord's Prayer. And not only is it enveloped by the Lord's Prayer, but it also exists in the larger story of Matthew. This gospel that is saying, hey, church, the bride of Christ, here's how I want you to live as the bride of Christ. Here's how I want you to treat each other as the bride of Christ. The whole New Testament, indeed, is a story about forgiveness and how God wants us to be forgiving to one another and how God wants us to exist as the church that he died for. This passage, which exists at the, at the tail end of the Lord's Prayer, I believe that it has a vertical and a horizontal reality to it. Allow me to illustrate. Let's think of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, 
right? That's how it begins. Immediately we have this vertical reality. We are praying to the Father in heaven. We are focused on the Father in heaven. Our attention is vertical toward the Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom that is in heaven, come. Your will be done on earth. And here we have the horizontal reality. We pray to the Father in heaven, but we ask that the Father's kingdom would come on earth. So we have this horizontal reality. On earth as it is in heaven. So therefore, since our passage focuses on forgiveness, we know then that forgiveness has a horizontal and a vertical reality to it. We pray that God might forgive us, the vertical. But in response, Jesus says, I also want you to forgive others, the horizontal. Oftentimes, I think what can happen is that we can separate the horizontal from the vertical, can't we? Again, throughout history, we have um, this idea of pietism, personal, individual pietism, where we focus, it's just me and Jesus, and that's all that matters, right? As long as I'm good with the big guy upstairs, life is okay. As long as I'm doing my morning devotions and praying to Jesus and offering my sacrifice, as long as me and Jesus are okay, I'm all right. But is that the full message of God's story? Is that what this scripture is telling us this morning? Is that what the Lord's Prayer demonstrates? No. Because the horizontal matters to Jesus. It's not just about our own individual uh, righteousness, our own individual piety, but Jesus cares deeply with how we relate to one another. Amen. Jesus wants to raise up a bride that can be a public witness to the rest of this broken and fallen world where people can look at the church and say, wow, they do something different. And so Jesus says, forgive others. Forgive others. There is a vertical and there is a horizontal. I think another aspect that this prayer teaches us and in fact, throughout the whole New Testament, is that we can see two different types of forgiveness represented. Jesus speaks of forgiveness in two different ways. The first type of forgiveness is this. Repentance and reconciliation. This first type of forgiveness is something like removing an obstacle to a relationship. Because when we sin, when we do something wrong, when we hurt another person, when we wound somebody... We create an obstacle in that relationship, do we not? And I believe Jesus longs so much for us to have a relationship with him that is without obstacles, and so therefore he calls us to repentance. I believe Jesus wants his church to be a church of relationships that are without obstacles. And so he instructs us, he calls us to reconciliation with one another. This is the first type of forgiveness. This is the type of forgiveness that we just read about with the Rwandan story. Somebody, the perpetrator, Francois, went to Epiphany and said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for killing your son. Can you imagine that? Think about that. And only, I believe, through the power of Jesus Christ was Epiphany able and fulfilled to say, I forgive you for what you did. Because you caused me so much pain that a mother should never bear. 
But because Christ forgives me, so too I forgive you. And I'm not going to stop there. But we, together with the power of the Holy Spirit, are going to move toward reconciliation. This is our first type of forgiveness. I shared with you guys before um, that throughout my 20s, I struggled with an eating disorder. Um, And it was a pretty intense struggle of anorexia and bulimia that really blanketed every facet of my life. Um, And I struggled with it for years, this uh, eating disorder, and I kept it hidden for a long time because I think, honestly, I also struggled with shame. And shame is a powerful tool of the enemy. Shame tells us that whatever it is that we are struggling with is too big for the Father to forgive. Shame tells us that you better not go ask for forgiveness from the other person because they are going to turn away from you. Shame is a vicious lie of the enemy, and it kept me from experiencing freedom for a long time. But then something happened. I don't know what it was exactly, but one day, I think I was just tired of it, you know? I was tired of this thing that I was dealing with. I was tired of how much life it was sucking from me. And so I decided that I would go to the person with whom at the time I was closest and confess to him. And he knew already. But I had to say, I'm struggling with an eating disorder. And I'm sorry for the ways that it's hurting our relationship. I'm sorry, and I really don't want to struggle with it anymore. And he, by God's good graces, was able to love me through that and said, I forgive you, Brianna. (laughs) I forgive you. I believe you are a daughter of the Most High God and that God has something more for you. So you know what we also need to do? We also need to go to the Lord with it. And so I go to the Lord and I confess to the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry that I'm struggling with this eating disorder. I'm sorry for the ways in which I'm abusing this beautiful body that you have given me. I'm sorry for the obstacle that it's causing in our relationship. Would you take it away? Because my friends, repentance leads to reconciliation. And the moment that I brought my sin into the light, those chains of bondage were broken free. And I was able to see and to taste the goodness of the Lord. This is the beauty of the first type of forgiveness. The vertical and the horizontal reality. It was affecting my relationship with God, this thing that I was struggling with, and it was affecting my relationships with those in my life. And I said, that is not the bride that Jesus died for. Jesus died to have a pure bride, and he has more. Repentance and reconciliation. Amen. Amen. There is a second type of forgiveness that we see in the New Testament. And the second type of forgiveness is simply a releasing of debt, an unconditional forgiveness. On the cross, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Father, forgive them all, the ones who are crucifying me. They don't know what they're doing. And so what we see in that prayer on the cross is this unconditional forgiveness Jesus didn't wait till we came to him in repentance. Before we ever did that, Jesus prayed for forgiveness. It is done, my friends. It is available to us all. We are released from the bondages of the kingdom of darkness. No longer do they have power over us. 
This is the unconditional forgiveness of Jesus. And as disciples of Christ, we are to reflect Christ. Is that not right? And so as disciples of Christ, we are then to extend unconditional forgiveness to one another, whether they ask for it or not. We are called to unconditionally forgive those who wound us. We are called to unconditionally forgive those who enter into our homes and take advantage of our life. We are called to forgive everybody because Jesus Christ forgave us before we ever repented. I found this video. Um, It's a short clip that I want us to watch together, and I believe that it illustrates this second type of forgiveness quite beautifully. Take a look. Amen. This is the beauty of the cross, is it not? That when we have been wounded so deeply, and when we've wounded others so deeply, we get to say, I forgive you. We get to be the bride of Christ that says, where there is hatred, we will love. We get to be the bride of Christ that says, where there is woundedness, there is healing. We get to be the bride of Christ that turns the other cheek, that prays for our enemy, that chooses time and again, however difficult it is, to unconditionally forgive. Maybe you're asking yourself, or you want to say to me, Brianna, what about the spouse that continues to abuse me? Or what about the boss who relentlessly harasses me? What am I supposed to do with that? My friends, those are serious questions to ask. They really are. And two things I want to say about that. The first is that, what you just saw in the video, 
As disciples of Christ, we are called to unconditionally forgive everybody. Everybody. And this unconditional forgiveness is simply that type of forgiveness that is a releasing of debt. So if you have somebody in your life that is continuously abusing you, my friends, I say you have the power and the freedom to release them because that will bring you freedom. That does not suggest, however, that you are to stay in that relationship or that does not suggest that you are to enter into reconciliation, but you are simply to release them and there is freedom. As that one sign showed, I will not heal until I extend forgiveness. Isn't that true? Extending forgiveness brings healing to you and the one that hurt you. That's the beautiful part about it. (laughs) That is the beautiful part about it. I know that it can be hard to ask for forgiveness. I know that it can be hard because even though Jesus was victorious on the cross and that the power of death no longer can consume us, we still live on this side of eternity. And it can be really difficult to forgive. And I I, want to focus in a little bit on the question of, are you entering into the promises of forgiveness? Or is there something keeping you? And if that something is shame, let's examine that. Let's dare to look closely at that because my friends, I'm just going to say, I believe that is a lie from the pit of hell. That no matter what we've done, no matter what any of us have done, Jesus says, my life and my love is big enough to forgive even that if you would but only receive it. No matter what you've done. No matter what you've done, I forgive you. But the thing about that is that sometimes we need to move forward and ask for it. Could I have received forgiveness and healing from my eating disorder, which, mind you, is a continuing process? Could I have received that if I never went to the Lord with it? Because while there may have been nights, long, lonely nights, when I would be crying and praying and begging the Lord to take it away, the reality is I was crying and praying with closed fists. Lord, take this away, but don't really, because I'm terrified of who I'd be without it. We need to come to Jesus. And who is that Jesus that we are coming to? Are you keeping yourself from, uh, from coming to Jesus because maybe you have a distorted view of God? Does your view of God say, what you've done is too much? It's too big. You don't get his forgiveness. Or is your view of God, which Holy Spirit make this known to us, please help us enter into the truth of your true image. Is your view of God like the prodigal God that we see in the story of the prodigal son? Where the son who, taking everything from his father, goes and spends it wildly and loosely, and only when he has to eat the things of pigs does he come to his senses and say, I've really messed up. And I would, I would think that the son in that moment was a little bit afraid to go back to the father, but he knew, hey, my father actually treats his hired hands really well. I think he's better and more loving than what I give him credit for. I'm going to dare to go back and say to my father, I'm sorry. But in order 
for the son to have received the warm embrace of his father, he had to turn and go back. And so I envision this son going back, rehearsing his speech over and over in his head of how he's going to ask for forgiveness and how scared he must have felt because it's really hard to ask for forgiveness sometimes. But he goes anyways, daring to believe in the truth of who his father is. And what happens in that story? Before the sun even comes up over the hill, the father sees maybe even just a few hairs on his son's head because he's not even up over the hill yet. And the father goes darting out, sprinting after his son, and he smothers him with hugs and kisses and celebrates and said, my son who was once lost has come back. Everybody rejoice. This is the true image of the father. And if you get anything today, if I get anything, it is this picture of the father because my friends i believe i believe so firmly that this morning the lord the god of all creation the jesus who died on the cross wants you so desperately wants you to know the truth of who he is we have a wild recklessly abandoned father who loves us no matter what no matter what no matter what. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, give us the ability to trust that. So I ask you again, what is your image of God? Is it the true image of God that we see in Scripture? Because if we have this true image of God... Lord, help us. Lord, help me to keep that in the forefront of my mind. Do you know what can happen? Lives are changed. (laughs) Radically and wildly changed. When we have the picture of God that Scripture speaks of, that Jesus died for, when we have that in the forefront of our minds, we are then able to say, Lord, I'm sorry for the ways that I've sinned against you. Lord, I'm sorry for the ways that I've sinned and hurt my brothers and sisters. When we have that image of God in the forefront of our mind, then we can go to our brothers and sisters and say, I'm sorry I hurt you. Can we move toward reconciliation? Because you know what, my friends? There is promise and there is breakthrough in repentance and reconciliation. Something powerful happens when we allow ourselves, when we dare to believe that shame no longer has a hold of me. But instead, Jesus, the one who says, you are my spotless bride, is the one who names me. Breakthrough can happen. Through repentance and reconciliation and seeking of forgiveness, breakthrough can happen. Those chains are broken. The darkness fades because light floods in. And we have breakthroughs in two different ways when we do this. We have breakthrough to the cross. We can experience the cross more powerfully when we say to our brokenness, it has died on the cross. When we proclaim that truth and says, this no longer has power over me because Christ died and rose again for it, we break through to the cross. And the second aspect, we have breakthrough to community because there's always the vertical and the horizontal realities. Jesus says, I have more for you in relationship with one another So when we confess to our brothers and sisters and ask for forgiveness, we have breakthrough to true, authentic community in the way that God designed it. Forgiveness matters a lot. And Jesus infuses it with promises of breakthrough and liberation if we but only dare to enter in and receive it.
how we treat each other is wildly significant to God. If we are, like we like to say every week, kingdom people, which I believe we are, however messy and clumsy we might do that, how we treat one another matters a lot. (laughs) I want to look at you and say, I'm sorry for the ways that I've hurt you. And I want to look at you and say, you are of priceless value to the father. Let's figure out how to love one another well. Why? Because that is going to be the light in this very dark world. Let us learn by the power of the Holy Spirit how to do relationships well so that we can turn those signs, just like the video showed, and say, I forgive you. That's what I want. Because I know that in forgiveness there are the breakthroughs. And I don't know about you, friends, but I'm willing to bet that you want more of Christ. I'm willing to bet that you want more of the fullness of Christ, the love, the joy, the hope, the mercy, the compassion, the beauty of Christ. It's available to us freely, generously, abundantly. When we bring things to the light, when we bring them out of hiding, they lose their power. And truth saturates us. I invite us, if perhaps there is a false image of God that you have, I pray that the Holy Spirit would invite us to see something that is true. We are going to close our time together with just some quiet reflection. Um, I'm going to invite... Oh, Ruth is coming up. She's just going to play some soft music in the background. And friends, let's just close our time together with some quiet meditation. And in so doing, I pray that, um, that maybe God would give you a name. Is there somebody in your life that you need to forgive? Or is there um, somebody with whom you need to ask for forgiveness? Is there a relationship that is calling out for reconciliation? And not only do I want you to meditate on that and reflect on that, But I also want you to reflect on the true image of God. And if there is shame or if there's a false image of God that is keeping you from experiencing the breakthroughs of reconciliation and forgiveness, then my friends, by God's power and good graces, would you receive truth? So we'll take just a few minutes of reflection.
Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, give us images of you. Would you put the tune of your forgiveness to the rhythm of our heart that says, as far as the east is from the west, I forgive you. Would we sing the song of the truth of our identity that says you are altogether lovely. There is no flaw in you. Holy Spirit, would we hear you singing over us? You are my beloved. You are my bride. No matter what you've done, I, I call you by name. Your sin does not call you by name. The people that you have hurt does not call you by name, but I call you by name and I have redeemed you. Would you give us the strength to receive those truths? Would you give us the posture of humility to pursue forgiveness and reconciliation? Help us to live as your church as your bride that we may be a living testimony to this world and as a family we pray these things in Christ's name Amen my friends at this time I'd like to invite the prayer ministers up if you have any prayer needs whatsoever come forward we'd love to pray with you Go in peace. Have a wonderful day.